You're listening to the Kiwi Tripsters Travel Podcast. Brought to you by Abercrombie and Kent, pioneering experiential luxury travel since 1962. Buckle up and take off every fortnight to spectacular destinations as we share the inside word on all things travel. Whether you're into luxury travel or tripping on a budget, whether it's river cruising or foodie trips, we've got you covered with top tips and tricks so you can have an awesome travel experience. Tune in with Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. And be sure to like and share this episode so everyone can get a taste of all things travel and now on to the show with your host from Christchurch New Zealand Mike Yardley and Chris Lynch G'day, welcome aboard another edition of Kiwi Tripsters. I'm Chris Lynch. I'm Mike Yardley. We hope 2020 has kicked off swimmingly for you with lots of travels planned in the year ahead. Yes, I've been reading lots of self-help books. <laughs> that will help, Chris. <laughs> None have helped, but anyway, um, it is good to see you and thank you so much for listening again and let's all make sure that 2020 is a great year. And it is a good year because we're going to tell you right now some very interesting news about a global passenger survey, Mm -hmm. which actually is the real deal, right? Because they interview tens of thousands of people and they get the biggest takeaways from the survey. It's a massive survey. It is. IATA conducts the survey every year, Chris, and it's very much geared around gauging what travellers want to improve the entire journey ribbon, to use the industry lingo. And top of that list from the survey more control. We want more control. Overwhelmingly, the flying public want to uh, use their personal device to control more aspects of their travel journey from booking to arrival. Um, Nearly half of all flight bookings in the world are now booked through airline websites rather than through a travel agent. And interestingly, airline apps are surging as the preferred booking method already, as opposed to like using a website. Um, Apps, airline apps are already number one in North Asia in terms of uh, the means of booking a flight. I've got to say, some of the smartphone apps now available are so good because some of them can almost like pre-check you in now. They'll give you a a notification. And I think that's from memory, that's how I travel from New Zealand to Brazil. No problem. You knew straight away. Yeah where you were supposed to be at, it's pretty amazing, the technology. You'd have to be pretty silly to get it wrong. Yeah, very much. And um, smartphone apps are changing the airport process as well. For the first time ever in the past 12 months, using a smartphone was the preferred method of check-in for more than half of passengers around the world, according to IATA. So we love that whole paperless check-in approach. Um, IATA has found out that um, over 70% of us want to be kept informed about things like the status of our flight uh, via notifications sent to our smartphone. But there's huge change happening in how we want to be alerted. Text notifications are becoming a bit old hat. And once again, they are about to be eclipsed by smartphone apps being our preferred way of receiving updates and alerts. Which is good. But the one thing that bugs me though, Mike Yardley, I'm sure I've had this before. Mm. You travel a lot more than I do. And that is when you go to... Um, check-in online for an international flight yep. from Christchurch to anywhere around the world, you think, great, I've skipped the queue, no problem. But they still call you up in the checkout lounge because you still have to go up and show them your passport. Right. So that annoys me. Yes. Well, hopefully airport authorities are working on that for you, Chris. Thank you. Uh, because we are getting more demanding. We want smartphone apps to tell us in real time what the wait time is 
to get through security, to That's get a good through idea. the border control. That's a great idea. Um, how long is the walk to the departure gate? We want the app to be able to tell us that. Some airports are already providing that real-time data to apps. I've noticed it uh, in the likes of Doha airports. Uh, Changi has become very tech-savvy on that front too. Changi has the best massage chairs, by the way. Yes, I've heard you talk about this. I'm obsessed with those. You must have flied, didn't you? You were sitting in those chairs so long. <laughs> Just I about, actually. You into no, a... I, I packed a 20-minute sad because by the time it was nearly time to board, yes. I, I'd only just discovered the massage chair at Changi Airport. Okay. Um, we are getting more demanding. What are your thoughts on this whole biometric technology? Because I think it's good, but sometimes I still think the human eye mm-hmm. is better. Well... The industry position at the moment is that it does speed up airport processes. So I take a pragmatic approach to it, and the latest IATA survey shows that over 70% of us are happy to share our face, thumbprint, or iris scan Mm. if it means the whole rigmarole is going to be faster for us. Um, Just before Christmas in New Zealand, Auckland Airport expanded the technology with the launch of brand new Uh, automated pre-security gates that scan boarding passes. So you know how, like previously, Chris, you would have rocked through Auckland Airport and before you even get to, um, like, the passport control booths, Mm. there'd be a woman or a man standing at international departures who'd want to see your boarding pass. Yes, that's right. That's now gone. That is now a gate. So you just put the boarding pass into the gate and that opens for you if they consider you a legitimate traveller. Hopefully so. I still find it bizarre, even Mm. today, um, people's baggage gets lost. Yeah. But we are getting better, or at least the airports and airlines are getting better at new technology to track Mm. your package, right? Well, supposedly, um, I'm amazed how much does go AWOL. 6% Mm. of checked baggage around the world uh, was lost went uh, missing in action last year. Now, that's 25 million bags. Uh, And to improve tracking reliability, IATA has deployed new technology as the global standard. So as opposed to those little barcode strips on a piece of paper Mm. that are normally like stuck onto the side of your bag, that um, is being phased out in some airports already. And instead, they're putting in radio frequency identification. And that's becoming the new normal when... Uh, baggage is being loaded and unloaded from aircraft. So it will give you a lot more accurate data as to exactly where your bag is, whether it's in Tashkent or Timaru. Do you, nicely said, do you, I bet you bubble wrap your, not bubble wrap, but do no, you I plastic don't. wrap your, your suitcase? I've often wondered about that. I've, I've done been, it a few times. Have you? Yeah. I, to me, it sort of screams neurotic traveller. Yeah. but, uh, but Paranoid would, passenger. Would you do it if you're going to Bali? Well, actually, that's a very good point. Um, I probably would if my first name was... Chappelle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah because I, got a few, I had a few friends that were off to Bali, but they were a bit nervous about right. just going there. Yeah. And so I was encouraging Nervous or neurotic? Both, probably. <laughs> anyway, I, with the survey too, yeah. um, we are becoming more impatient, but is it really the case, or do you think it's because we've got so much technology now that tells us when and where we're going to be at certain points so yes. we can then feel even more impatient because yes. we know we're being held up? Yes, we want everything now, <laughs> we and do. we don't want to have to wait for it. So <laughs> some brutal honesty yeah. in the IATA survey. We don't want to wait any longer then three minutes at bag drop-off, we don't think we should have to queue any longer than 10 minutes at immigration or customs. And for most of us, waiting any longer than 10 minutes at the baggage carousel in international arrivals, any longer than 10 minutes is too long.
I'd yeah. agree with that, actually. Yeah, I think that, that sounds yeah. fair. Um, look, before we get to our, our next part that, uh, on this, what has been rated, according to the survey, the biggest passenger pain points? Airport security screening and border control um, absolutely stand out. We hate having to remove personal items like shoes if you're going through the States. Uh, We hate having to take laptops out of our bags. We hate having to get a bus between the aircraft and the terminal. That's an absolute pet hate of mine. We hate having to go through the security palaver when transiting at an airport. So at LAX, for example, people absolutely despise that airport. When you're flying, you know, say from Auckland to London and you have to transit at LA, you're not actually leaving the airport, but you've still got to go through the whole security rigmarole again. Um, And finally, we also absolutely hate it when the overhead bin space has already been hoovered up. When you reach your seat on the plane and you've got cabin baggage, and above you, above your seat, someone's hoovered up your overhead space. Nothing worse, particularly if you're paid for extra yes. for a, a better seat yes. with more room, yes. and then the air hostess has to go all the way down, <laughs> yes. row Z, yes. so then you're left waiting. Yes. That's got to go. And we'll discuss some positive <laughs> stuff next. <laughs> Let's talk about legendary movie hotels now because set jetting, as it's called, continues to be a bit of a boom uh, this year in 2020, Mike. Yeah, it certainly is. Glittery celebrity power and big screen blockbusters seem to have uh, been just a bonanza for so many hotels. And these are the hotels that may have first caught the eye of Tinseltown's movie makers, but they remain the object of enduring affection to travellers. So... It's a bit like taking a pilgrimage to a shooting location of, you know, of great fame from your favourite flicks, Uh, hence the nickname Set Jetting. Movie-inspired travel um, is where this Set Jetting catchphrase has come from, and there are some star specimens in the hotel stakes that aren't just pop culture landmarks, but I think they are virtual shrines of cinematic (laughs) history, Chris. I know what you're going to say next. You're going to talk to me about the Plaza New York Hotel. (laughs) I've got to say, um, when I walked past it on the opposite side, closest to Central Park, I was kind of like, oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah, next. But I think because it was so blooming cold, I went just after Christmas. Right. So I was too preoccupied with getting inside uh, the Macy's shop to, of be, course you were. to be warm. Yes. Anyway, but you could have it, it gone is, inside the hotel, Chris. Yeah, could have. Then I would have had to cross the road. Oh, well, yes. But it, look, it probably, it probably was quite nice, but I just remember thinking, gee, I'm cold. Can I get to Macy's across the road? Well, anyway. I think the plaza in New York is the ultimate example of a set jetting hotel to be seen. Um, and I mean, it's been a high society beacon in the Big Apple for over a century. And of course, people will know it probably most famously from Home Alone 2. Yeah. Uh, where Kevin lives it up in that lavish suite, courtesy of Daddy's credit card. It also featured in Crocodile Dundee 2, and most recently, The Great Gatsby. But um, if you think the uh, the overnight tariff at the plaza's beyond your budget, a really good option is to book afternoon tea in the hotel's Palm Court, which is the most beautiful interior. Uh, It's a revered New York ritual afternoon tea at the Palm Court. So, you know, if it's your birthday or a wedding anniversary, you've just graduated from university, generally New York families will go there to celebrate. You just reminded me about that. Isn't that nice? That's the one thing I I like about 
New York, people do go to hotels. Also, this is quite common in Hong Kong yes, to celebrate they their do. birthdays. Hong Kong's very big into yeah, it. They, yeah, they celebrate by going to a hotel restaurant. Not yeah. so common here in, in Christchurch, no. New Zealand, but it could be because we've got some brilliant restaurants that are located inside hotels. That's true. I know that uh, in the Sugar Club at the top of Auckland Sky Tower, um, last mm. time I was there, the maitre d' said to me that the vast majority of people who go to the Sugar Club are locals in Auckland who are celebrating mm. an occasion, you know, within their family. So, yeah, maybe it is catching on here. I think so, hopefully. Closer to home, the Priscilla Hotel. You've been inside it, haven't you? Yeah, and um, it is... Absolutely, as it's pictured in the 1994 Aussie cult hit Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. So the Palace Hotel is the Priscilla Hotel, and you will find the Palace Hotel in Broken Hill. It is instantly recognisable, and it has had a bit of a colourful layover uh, since the movie, but a lot of the murals, you may remember those murals on the walls from the movie, they are still there. So if you want to pay homage to the Queen of the Desert in style, why not book a night in the Priscilla Suite at the Palace Hotel in Broken Hill? Maybe. Although I would like to do something quite crazy. What about the Shining Hotel? Oh my goodness, I did this last year. It is so freaky. If you find yourself in Oregon, make a date with that horror hotel in Stephen King's classic chiller, The Shining. What does he say when he comes out the door? Um, yeah, there's that famous line from the act, and I can't think yes, what it is. Yes, there is. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's Jack Nicholson, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, it's going to annoy me now. It is going to annoy me. And um, if, if you can remind us what that famous line is, feel free is to give Johnny? us some feedback. Here's, yes, I think it is. Is it? Yeah. I think it is. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So anyway, the hotel in question is called the Overlook Hotel, uh, as depicted in the 1980 film. And the ski resort of the Timberline Lodge in Oregon is actually the Overlook Hotel. And movie fans, will, when, when they go there to the Timberline Lodge, they'll flock to uh, stay in room 217, uh, the most haunted room of all, according to the storyline. And the hotel library will happily lend you a copy of the movie so you can watch it. You can watch The Shining in room 217 um, That's for pretty your cool. viewing pleasure. Yeah. That's pretty, I'm not understanding at things that are going to upset me, though. But anyway, <laughs> something perhaps a little bit nicer. Uh, is the best exotic Marigold Hotel, is that actually real? Yeah, it is. And I was surprised. I only discovered this recently. Because that, it looks um, too good to be true. Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought too. Uh, but it is a real hotel, namely the Ravla Kempur, which is a 17th century former palace in Udapur, India. Uh, and of course, uh, you had that all-star British uh, cast, Dame Judi Dench, Dame Maggie and so forth. Uh, and uh, they also uh, were with uh, Richard Gere in the sequel, the 2014 sequel. But yeah, you can absolutely stay at the best exotic Marigold Hotel. Just go to Udapur. It's Ravla Kempur. By the way, on a similar note in Asia, if you've seen Lost in Translation, you may remember that sort of timeless scene when they're in the Park Hyatt in Tokyo. That has made the Park Hyatt Tokyo, that movie, Lost in Translation, such a popular hotel, particularly with Americans. So uh, head up to the New York Bar and Grill, which is on the top level of the hotel, order up their signature drink, an L-I-T cocktail, which pays homage to the movie. You see, I'm not much of a movie sort of person, but I have stayed at some hotels I had no idea were famous for movies. Forgive my ignorance. Yeah. I, I stayed at the tallest hotel in Bangkok and had no idea that was supposed to be the, 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 the main movie set for 
uh, Hangover 2 or something oh, like really? that. Oh, really? Yeah. know about that? Yeah. No, no, no neither did I. <laughs> it was nice though. It smelt funny. Um, the Pretty Woman Hotel. See, I'm, I've been on some of these tours in LA mm-hmm. and when the tour guy would say, that's where such and such was. Remember when Judah Roberts tells that? And you go, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And, and you sort of think, oh, that was interesting-ish. Ish, yeah. Well, if you do find yourself in uh, Rodeo Drive, at the end of Rodeo Drive on Wilshire Boulevard, yep, there you've got the Beverly Wilshire, which is the Pretty Woman Hotel. Uh, from the outside, um, you uh, if you've thought, oh, if I wander in, what's it like? There's not much to see when you initially enter the lobby of that hotel. Mm. It's very understated. But a really cool thing, particularly if you're like me and love your cocktails, is go to the bar and they've got a signature cocktail list headlined by that gentleman and pretty woman. And um, that's their little tribute to the movie. If you're willing to seriously splash out and stay the night, much of the action between Vivian and Edward took place in the presidential suite. And last time I checked, Chris, in fact, the bathtub scene took place in the presidential suite. Oh, really? Last time I checked, that suite, average rack rate a night, Nine and a half thousand dollars. Thanks for coming. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's my salary for about two years. Um, now, the Hollywood season, we've just had the Golden Globes, the Oscars on the way. Yeah. Uh, the Beverly Hills Hotel. Yeah, I know we've talked about the Pink Palace before on Kiwi Tripsters. Uh, still very much at the top of her game, the Beverly Hills Hotel. Um, and as I probably mentioned last time, the iconic place to go there um, and join a bit of Hollywood's old school swank is the Polo Lounge. And a more contemporary Temporary spot, which is also a good hangout, uh, is Bar 1912. So a lot of the Oscars crowd will probably head to Bar 1912 after uh, the awards um, because it uh, has such an amazing view of a Beverly Hills sunset from that bar with cocktail in hand, Chris. Of course. I was at the Beverly, lucky enough to go, what was it, the Beverly... Hills, where the Golden Globes are, the Hilton. Hilton, Beverly Hilton. It looks like an ugly concrete jungle from the outside, to be honest with you. And it's it's what Hollywood does that lights it up to make it look good on the Mm. night. Mm. So in case... Appearances can be deceiving. Listen to me, I'm trying to give everybody a realistic take on these hotels that just seem like (laughs) quite boring, some of them. Anyway, 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 what else we got? Um, La La Land. Yes. Well, La La Land actually, I think, uh, got a fleeting look in at some of those Beverly Hills hotels, um, just in some of the street scenes. Um, but I tell you what, if you've got any contenders for our hit list of legendary movie hotels, get in touch on where, Chris, our Facebook page. Our Facebook page, yep. Kiwi Tripsters. Uh, you can send us your feedback on the Apple podcast or whatever podcast you're listening to. Yep. Uh, coming up, uh, we take a, a, dip. a bit of a dip into, I'll trust you to be looking at more tombstone tourism. You, there's, there's, a, there's a bit of a theme here at Am the I moment. Feeling, yeah, a bit dark, but bit macabre. Dark. What's next? Yeah. Ghoulish stuff. Anyway, we'll, we'll look at that shortly. Stay tuned. Kiwi Tripsters will be right back after this break. An Abercrombie and Kent luxury safari is quite simply the greatest outdoor adventure holiday you will ever have. Choose your own adventure in South Africa, Botswana, Namibia, Zambia, Zimbabwe, Uganda, Rwanda, Tanzania, Kenya and many other countries on a continent no one knows like Abercrombie and Kent. The adventure starts here. AbercrombieKent.co.nz Coming up, we'll discuss 
tombstone tourism, because Mike likes that sort of stuff. But right now, let's keep it Kiwi. Let's keep it New Zealand. Uh, Mike, you've recently been to New Zealand, South Island, a very small town, Reefton, mm-hmm. and that's emerging as a bit of a provincial tourism rock star. I would never have thought that. Certainly is, Chris. It's definitely not the drive-through stop for a pie town that mm. it previously was. Um, so for those uninitiated with Reefton, it's very much a West Coast gateway, just a couple of hours south from Nelson, about four hours drive north from Christchurch, and it's gone ahead in leaps and bounds in the past five years. Even though, you know, mining and forestry uh, were the, uh, the the former industries, they, that, that they still do a bit of that, but tourism is surging as a money spinner. And it's because of a wave of really plucky entrepreneurs who've swept into town to rev things up. And that's because they had to, didn't they? There's, mm. there's more to life on the coast now than just coal, and you've yep. got some examples too. Very famous man who... Yeah, John, we... John Bojan, who made his fortune co-founding Dressmart. He's been a real powerhouse for Reefton. Uh, he fell head over heels with the heritage, and he could see the future potential of Reefton. So he basically purchased and restored the main street, uh, this stack of old town buildings, yeah. including the old courthouse, the old jail, the main street Broadway, which best embodies his stirring endeavours if you go there now um, because all of those buildings are just so colourful, so resplendent, virtually sort of like a Main Street Disneyland level. It is just so colourful and uh, they are really the billboard for Reefton's Renaissance. But he's not one to rest on his laurels. Uh, his latest project, developing a five-star luxury boutique accommodation offering in the heart of Nuggety Reefton. Good on him, good on him. Is that distillery still there? That's a bit of an attraction, isn't it? Yeah, it's been open just over a year, opened uh, just before Christmas 2018, and it's been an absolute barn burner, an instant hit, and it's just going off. The goods are flying off the shelves. Now, they produce boutique gin, vodka, whiskey, and uh, some seasonal fruit offerings like Tabery liqueur, which is really good on ice cream. Um, and Reefton Distilling was the brainchild of Patsy Bass. She grew up in Reefton as a kid, shifted to Christchurch. In fact, she grew up in the Monteith's Brewery in Reefton back in the day. But she's gone back to her roots. So she's gone back to Reefton to set up this uh, Reefton distillery. You think of all the places on earth to start something like a distillery and you've got to ask yourself, why would you bother with Reefton? But there's a bit (laughs) of family history here sort of in a way, isn't there? Yeah, there there is. Because, yeah, the uh, the old Monteith's Brewery was her family home and it was uh, from chatting to tourists a couple of years ago that she realised Reefton really needed to offer something unique. For example, you know, take a walk down the main street of Reefton and you'll see dream catches, North American Indian dream catches in the local gift store. Not really (laughs) symbolic of Reefton, she thought. So she has developed this premium range of small batch distilled spirits. They're crafted on-site at the distillery. They've got a great tasting room. All the bottles are labelled by hand and the distillery dips deep into Reefton's heritage and natural beauty and local characters. The gin is called Little Bitty Gin and you can get it all over New Zealand now. And it bursts with locally sourced botanicals. So you can pick up like this, the, the taste of Douglas fir tips in the gin. Um, that, it is such a great gin, Little is, Bitty Gin. What does Little Bitty mean? I, not like from Little Britain, Bitty. <laughs> no. Anyway, um, their gin is named in honour of Bridget Goodwin. Oh, okay. And... Um, she was a, a pipe smoking, gin toting, four foot tall gold miner who travelled from Ireland 
to Reefton to prospect for gold in the 1860s. And she probably lived to about 200, did she? <laughs> well, you can actually go and pay your respects to little Biddy. Um, By she, drinking. Yes, drinking. Um, because the, the distillery also operates sightseeing tours of some of Reefton's secrets, including Biddy's grave. So you can go and see where she's buried. And then you can go and forage for botanicals, which go into the gin, uh, from the West Coast rainforest. So, yeah, they've, they've really put it together beautifully. Make no mistake, it, you'd have to say, if you're going to reef and you're going to look at heritage, you're going to look at something slightly different, right? Yeah, definitely. And you can still pan for gold in the rivers. Uh, there's the bearded miners on Broadway on the main street. I also love the satellite village of Blacks Point. It's about a 10-minute drive from downtown Reefton, and they've got so much mining history there and, and stunning walking trails like uh, the Murray Creek track. And Blacks Point, uh, fun fact, for the day, uh, is synonymous with one of our Olympic legends, Jack Lovelock, um, their most famous son at Black's Point, and his sporting uh, prowess has been immortalised in the local museum there. And uh, once you're finished with the main street, yes, you have to go outdoors. There are plenty of outdoor things there as well, and that's what I love about the coast. Well, I think if you ask any mountain biker in the South Island, they will tell you Reefton is a mecca, and they've got 15 named trails in Reefton, uh, varying length and uh, and difficulty. So you've got amazing wilderness riding mm. uh, if you're into your mountain biking. So you'll go through beach forests and lots of history along the way. Like you can ride along old tram lines and pack tracks from you know that were formed by early adventurers. And also in the no skaters adore Reefton because they reckon Roller Park in Reefton is one of New Zealand's best, if not the best skate park in the country. Okay. I remember Rollerland in Christchurch. Uh, yes, I do. Mm. Yes. Fell over a few times there, Chris. So did I, actually. Yeah. Uh, look, it sounds amazing. And it's funny, when you do a Google search, the only thing that comes up in terms of life is a dog walking down the main street. That there gives you, you an idea of just how beautiful and quiet it is. Definitely a destination in itself, actually. Add that to your next roadie in the South Island. Now it's time to talk about tombstone tourism, or as Mike just calls it, cemeteries. Um, there is a thing for this, right? Massive. I, yeah, okay. Mm, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll try and influence me. Go on then, do your well, best shot. the Americans, God bless them, they coined the phrase tombstone tourism. We've had two catchphrases for today's edition, set yeah. jetting and tombstone tourism. Um, but, I mean, you only have to look at the World War commemorations in recent years. Yeah, that's true. That illustrates how... You know, war graves are immensely popular pilgrimages. There's actually quite a dark side to it as well. I don't know if you saw in the news um, not that long ago in Bali, death tourism has gone next to level uh, because in the past year or so, you've had a lot of travellers, particularly Australians, um, who will go to Bali and they'll go to this northern island village of Tunyon to see and even touch bodies that are laid out to rot in bamboo cages. What? So they're left in these cages as as opposed to being buried or cremated. That's really crass. That's off. And apparently once the flesh has rotted away, the skull and the bones are added to a shrine under a sacred tree. But that's way too macabre for my liking. Mm, it's odd. I think I'll uh, I'll stick to the standout cemeteries around the world. Okay, Chris. and you've got some uh, Paris. Oh, man. Paris reigns supreme in these stakes. Uh, Pierre Lachaise is considered the world's most visited cemetery. And... Very much it's the uh, the final resting place of the rich and famous of Paris. Business boomed and 
Headlining the roll call of famous corpses buried there, of course, is Jim Morrison, whose grave has been repeatedly graffitied. Lots of underwear, scantily clad women leave underwear for the late Jim Morrison at that uh, cemetery. Um, other luminaries at Pierre Lachaise, Edith Piaf, Oscar Wilde, Gertrude Stein and Frederick Chopin is buried there. I was going to say it's a bit goldish, but I have been to memorial sites right. of some of my, what am I trying to say here, iconic people. Idols? Yes. Yes. And, but then again, that was Jim Henson. So there was Jim Henson in Maryland, you know, in the US with Kermit the Frog. Yeah. And that, that just was a bit nicer than just going to a bog standard cemetery, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I find it interesting, um, like in London, I lived in London for a year or so back in the late 90s, and I went to Highgate, and the most famous recent arrival to be interred at Highgate is George Michael, um, although oh, yeah. his grave is actually currently off limits to the public, but like a lot of the most famous cemeteries, it's the landscaping, and it's mm. the ostentatious tombs okay. uh, that pull in the crowd. So architecturally, they're really interesting, like at Highgate, uh, they've got this sort of main thoroughfare called Egyptian Avenue because the tombs are so stately. Karl right. Marx and George Eliot are buried there. Um, by the way, if you're in Vienna, which is, you know, such a music city, the, the cemetery Zentral Friedhof is just like this cemetery of music gods. So you can go and see where Beethoven, Schubert, Brahms, Strauss wow. have all been laid to rest. Uh, and Mozart's got his own cenotaph. Dumb question. Do you have to pay to go to these? No. Okay. No. Um, without sounding crass from one sort of slightly nice thing to something else, but there's the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, which is yeah. world famous, right? Yeah. You would love this, Chris. I'm surprised Jim Henson isn't buried there, actually, mm. um, because it is classic Hollywood with your palm trees and you've got swaggering peacocks grazing the grounds uh, stuffed with dead celebrities. So you've got the likes of, say, Johnny Ramone's tombstone, which is a life-size statue of himself. Uh, people go gaga over Judy Garland's grave. Uh, Mel Blanc, uh, Rudolph Valentino. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, it's real golden age Hollywood that you'll find uh, laid to rest there. And there are even tour guides on hand. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to have to do a bit of Googling <laughs> on this because <laughs> I can't decide whether I like it or think it's kind of odd. But anyway, yeah. what? Give me some um, give me some personal favourites. You've been to many places around the world. Obviously, you, you go to cemeteries as you do. Yeah. What are your favourites? Buenos Aires, uh, Recoleta <laughs> Cemetery is the one that would take top slot in the beauty stakes for me, Chris. And a bit like Highgate in London, uh, it's like a small city lined with streets of marbled mansions. Right. The tombs, the mausoleums are that big. They're huge. They are ornate. They're like trophy homes housing the remains of Argentina's one percenters. And, of course, <laughs> um, their most famous resident at Recoleta is Eva Perón. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the sheer history and artistry of Recoleta is what really impressed me. Um, another couple of uh, just quick um, favourites in Jerusalem. The Mount of Olives Cemetery is pretty special because Jewish people earnestly believe they have got the front row seat at that cemetery on Judgment Day. And the other mm. one, which really blew me away, is in Moscow. Their prestigious cemetery is a stunner. And once again, it's just stacked with a who's who of the Soviet Union. Boris Yeltsin's buried there. 
Ryeza Gorbachev is buried there. It's just incredible to stroll through those graveyards, even though it does creep some people out. Mm. Interesting, though, here in Christchurch, um, the cemeteries here just look like they need a bit of a spruce up, you know? Yeah, There's not, get, I mean, yeah. put it this way. Would you live next to a cemetery? No. In Christ- no. No. But I don't think there's anything that's sort of beautiful or looks nice. No. It probably doesn't enhance your real estate value. No. Does it? But by the sounds of it, if, if, in places of Europe, it probably would. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> Creepy but interesting. I find it interesting, but I've probably got a bit of a macabre side. Dare mm, I say it? Okay. Yeah. Uh, look, before we um, get too morose, mm. we've got some good voice, don't we? Um, courtesy of Lonely Planet, the world's number one travel guidebook. We've yes. got a copy to give away, don't we? We do. If you want to be in the draw for a copy of Lonely Planet's latest guide to London, I'm sure Highgate Cemetery gets a mention. Uh, subscribe <laughs> to our podcast, rate and review our podcast at Apple Podcasts or uh, the podcast service of your choice, and you'll be in the draw. Good luck. We'd love to hear from you, by the way. Any feedback, anything you'd like us to discuss, uh, the show notes, by the way, they are listed on the website at kiwitripsters.co.nz. Yeah. By the way, if you want to let us know about what um, is your favourite movie, hotel, or famous cemetery around the world, get in touch with us. Uh, Flick us a message on kiwitripsters.co.nz or on the Facebook page, Kiwis Tripsters. We will have a new episode released in a couple of weeks' time. We would love you to to, uh, subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. So make sure you do that, kiwitripsters.co.nz. Have a fabulous week. We'll catch you back real soon. We will be taking a trip through the wonderful West Coast uh, in our upcoming editions, and also we'll be talking safaris in South Africa. Take care. And that's a wrap for this episode of Kiwi Tripsters. Liked what you listened to? Then join us for our next episode of Kiwi Tripsters, where we bring you more travel inspiration, giveaways, and insider knowledge with expert guests on the show. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, and visit us on kiwitripsters.co.nz. But most importantly, subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, and tell us what you think of our show. Till next time, safe travels. Safe travels.